Hi guys and welcome back to the La Fantasista podcast. This week I will be discussing the Manchester United rebuild season and kind of just having a general conversation on what to expect of them for the finishing stretch of the season and for next season. And I'll be featuring Lias, who is a big Manchester United fan and a fantastic compilation creator, content creator on YouTube. So make sure you guys check out his channel. Welcome, Lias. Hey, thank you for having me on, man. Uh, We tried this the other week, didn't go to as as planned, but uh, we're back and it's been a long time coming. So I'm happy to be on the show. Yeah, we're, we're back. We're better. Have more to talk about because obviously you guys went through in the Europa League. Uh, is there anything to really talk about? Just pretty pretty much two easy 2-0 two wins? Yeah, I mean, yeah, basically, like I, I told you at the time that we, we first recorded, right? I fully expected United to kind of cruise through this competition. And that's not like to overrate us or to downplay their teams. But I just think this United team, where they are right now, they are in a Europa League team, especially when you see some of the teams in the Champions League. I think this team belongs in the Champions League. And although I still don't think we are where we should be, uh, I, I think Europa League is definitely a level below us. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. And I mean, Granada, like, they're a very on and off team. Like, mm. even in Spain, sometimes they can go to Barcelona away and give them a tough game. And sometimes at home to the bottom teams, they can get beat comfortably. So, I think you guys had a pretty good draw there, but what do you think of your next opponents in Roma? Yeah, Roma is obviously, I I expect them to be of a a higher caliber to Granada, but we've seen us against potentially the second or third best team in Italy already in AC Milan. And although it was a, honestly, too close to call uh, tie, we we barely got through through a Paul Bogba great goal. I, I do feel confident against Roma and... We'll, we'll see how com- how my confidence is uh, repaid by United. But again, I, I just feel pretty confident against most teams in this competition. I think a potential final against Arsenal or Villarreal, depending who goes out of that, will be tough, 100%. But I expect us to be in the final uh, when all is said and done. Yeah, I think the, the, the difference with Roma and Milan is that obviously Milan are having a better season. Mm. Um but they might be just a bit more tactically ma- better matched for United. Like you guys play similar formations. And so if you're like that and the, Ollie sets the team right, obviously you guys won by a pretty nice goal. But I think the difference with Roma is they play a 3-4-2-1 formation. Yep. So they're very fluid. Yep. But the one thing that's holding them back and despite what some would call a good season, because they have like, they're playing a CDM at center back. Like they barely have any center backs. They barely have yeah. any left back. Like they have so many injuries. It's definitely a team thrown together. Like, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And Fonseca is actually, there's a lot of rumors that he's going to lose his job because of the new American owner is unhappy with their big game record. So they haven't beat any of the teams in the top seven. I don't think Wow. they might've beat Lazio, but yeah, their big game record is awful this year. But obviously in Europa, that seems to be a little bit different. I don't I don't think they've had particularly difficult opponents, but obviously Ajax is a hard team to get through. Yeah, they uh, cruised through the earlier stages as well. They they were one of the better Europa League teams prior, like up to this point. So 100%, although they may have struggled in Serie A, their Europa League form this year is definitely nothing to, to blush at. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, do, I do, definitely do contend you guys as favorites. Uh, although one injury to Rashford or Bruno could definitely change that a lot. But 100%. I think you guys are favorites. Um, Mkhitaryan obviously is the 
is an interesting conundrum there because Absolutely. X player coming back and he's although he's not on great form right now, most of that is a little bit down to injury and fatigue. Uh, he was flying start of the season. He yeah. was so good beginning of the season. Yeah, he has I think ten goals, nine assists across all competitions this season. So mm-hmm. he's doing very very good. But I think I think Ollie has enough to go through, but it's not going to be as easy as Granada was for sure. Definitely not. But again, like I said, I'm confident we will be in a final come next round. Yeah, and just to like stay on topic of what the expectations are for the rest of the season, would you say it's a failure if you guys don't win? 100%. I mean, if you are you asking is the whole season uh, a failure if we win? If we don't win? I maybe like the Europa League campaign, like let, let's say oh, you Arsenal in a final. 100%, 100%. If we lose this Europa like Again, Arsenal is, is, is a very tough test for us. We have not beaten them since Mikel Arteta has been appointed. Villarreal, I have, I'm under no illusion as to how t- uh, tough a team they can be. Of course, Unai Emery is a specialist in this competition. I'm, not we have a lot great of people like, know this. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Not a lot of people know Go this, ahead. but Villarreal are third in expected points in Spain. That's, and that's so impressive. Emery is act- like they're like two points behind Real Madrid by that metric. So. The real like problem with them is Paco Alcacer's form has just been awful. He has five goals from eight expected. He missed a late yeah. penalty to win them a game versus bottom placed Elche recently. So I mean, like Emery's kind of being let down because their differential as to what is expected is five less goals than they should have scored. Wow, and that's two bright. more goals than they should have conceded. So it's really, really unfortunate for Emery. That is crazy. And you look at their team. Like I was saying, Alcacer, you already pointed out. I guess he's not in the best of form at the moment. But you look throughout their team. Uh, Moreno, who is probably what their top scorer. Yeah, twenty-five uh, goals. Not, not, not the quickest, but but a really good, a really good goal scorer. You have Parejo, of course. I think every fan knows of Danny Parejo's time at Valencia. Terrific midfielder, Etienne Capu. Tiny Premier League fans. He he's in there with him. And you have some some good players in the back as well. Raul Albiol, I think, is back with them. Um, the guy who used to play for Spurs, the Argentinian, he's on loan with them. Yeah, Juan Foyth. Juan Foyth, there you go. I, I just think there's, there's a lot of good players in that team. And I think Unai Emery, through his time in the Premier League, picked up a lot of disrespect, right? Some of it deserved, some of it undeserved. But just because his tenure at Arsenal wasn't the greatest success doesn't exactly mean he's this poor coach all of a sudden. His track record speaks for itself. And uh, it is good to see him back back in his native homeland and, and rebuilding his reputation. And listen, another Europa League title will probably ensure him that he, he returns back to that next echelon of, of top managers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so talking about the season more generally, so obviously yeah. out of the FA Cup, out of the Carabao Cup, uh, expect to win the Europa League. And as for Premier League, I presume it's just retain second place. Retain second place and make it look respectable, right? Because City at this moment are kind of going through a a, a situation where they're, they're not as dominant as they were a few weeks ago or a few months ago. They are showing a bit of vulnerability. And that doesn't, that's not for me to say, oh, we're in the title race. Obviously, I think the title is long gone. But I think you have to pick, you have to capitalize on any slip ups that City have. And we've done a good job recently at doing that. They lost to Leeds. We beat uh, Spurs. And personally, for me, our best performance of the season. And I think we just have to keep doing that. Any slip-ups, just make sure we're there to capitalize and finish as close to first as humanly possible. And that's something I said in January. I said I never expected United to win the league. I just want us to make 
to, to go through a, a solid enough title challenge. And although that's not really going to happen, I think it's important not to finish above 10 points uh, behind first place. I think just for the morale, for the mentality going to next season, make it as respectable as possible. And then as for Europa League, I think Europa League, like I said, is a must. We're the best team in the competition. We have the best squad. And failure to to retain that yet again, two seasons in a row, would be, for me, a massive disappointment. And I really struggle to see how you can deem this such a great season without it. Because it'll therefore be finishing a lot of points beyond first, crashing out of the Champions League group stage, quarterfinal loss in the FA Cup, semifinal loss in the Carabao Cup, and semifinal loss in a competition you weren't even supposed to be playing in from the start of the season. So for me, someone asked, what would that season be out of 10 if they lose in the Europa League? For me, 6 out of 10 is the best you can give. And I feel like I might be being generous. I think I think the one reason you might be generous is because there hasn't been a lot of youth that's come through. And a lot of times a manager can use that as like a fallback option well look at us we were playing Diallo on the right wing the whole season (laughs) but yeah i mean greenwood's filled in at right wing but apart from that it's not like you guys have been betting in youngsters or anything so yeah i think like a four or five would be the scenario because actually four is harsh too because second place you guys are probably gonna finish convincingly in second um but let's talk more so about like the squad in general and the problems that it has because i think if you are able to financially have a big window, like you could potentially go toe to toe with city, if not just at least close the gap to like six to eight points, maybe. Mm -hmm. So what, what are like the problem areas in terms of like just the playing squad in your opinion? For me, I think there's a few positions and I think it'll change really depending on who you ask because everyone has a, a different dream transfer window for United. And let's just pretend the Glazers uncharacteristically decide to to really back us after a season where we finished top four. Because if you look at the track record, if you look at history, the Glazers tend to invest more money into Manchester United when the team is not in the Champions League and aspiring to get back into it, which is obviously not the case this season. So let's pretend that we have a, a decent transfer kitty. For me, the number one position that needs to be strengthened by Manchester United is right wing. And I think you see that necessity through the last few windows. We've tried making Jaden Sancho such a huge priority for us. Usman Dembele was linked to us. Ahmad Diallo was signed. Uh, other players, of course, were linked to us. But um, I think that's the number one priority because you look at the players that were kind of playing there, Mason Greenwood, not a real right winger. And I think for me, we're really hindering his development by shifting him out there to make up for that lack of a right winger. Dan James, for me, I've made my my thoughts on the guy clear. Seems like a decent bloke, not anywhere near the level of Manchester United. Like that's the harsh reality of it. Yeah. And for me, when you talk about balance, that balance is one of the biggest, the most important things in football. You have to have proper balance in a team. And United for almost... I'd say seven years since Antonio Valencia moved back to right back have not had a real right winger. And it shows in in our average positional play. Everything comes from the left. I think adding a right winger such as Jaden Sancho for me drastically changes the team. Sorry, drastically changes the team, uh, improves our play, takes off some responsibility from Rashford. And for me, not to, not to spend too much time on the subject, I think Rashford is a player personally that benefits more when he's an outlet i think when he's tasked with being the guy who has the ball at his feet to make things happen it hinders his best attribute and that's his speed and yeah, for me rashford sometimes you can you can you can really see him just get on the ball stop completely take try and like bamboozle a defender 
and create something from nothing. And you've seen how many goals he scores this year. Like clearly he's doing something right. But for me, it also hurts the team at times because you kind of see him stop and everyone around him stops and the play slows down. And if it doesn't result in a goal, it's kind of just a wasted possession. So for me, I think it would almost be better if we had a Jaden Sancho on the right who can kind of take over that responsibility. I think he's more of a natural dribbler, a natural playmaker, and that allows Rashford on the other end to be more of an outlet, more of a guy who runs in behind and you can play him in behind with your fantastic creators such as Bruno and Pogba. So that's that's for me the first one. Uh, I don't know if you want to take a time to between each position to talk about it, but... I'm, I mean, for the I think we've both definitely identified right winger as a position because yeah. I think Stevie Wonder would probably identify that as a position. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. and I mean, in the world we are creating the environment we're creating that they are investing, uh, activate whatever amount of money Dortmund want for Jaden Sancho the day yeah. that the window opens. Don't let him have a good euros. Don't no, definitely him, not. Yeah. <laughs> don't waste another day. Just buy him on the first day, have him be a Manchester United player. Uh, so I think that's just, easy settled if you can afford him you get Jaden sancho like there's no two ways about it 100 uh the other positions that i think really need to be addressed i i would sign possibly two strikers but at least i would sign one two uh, strikers i think wow. <laughs> i think cavani is going like it just doesn't i feel like if he was to extend he would have extended by middle of april it just it just feels weird as to why it would take this long if he if he himself is convinced to stay because I don't think he has a problem with Manchester United. I think he kind of just wants to go back to South America. Hundred percent, I agree with that one thousand percent. But I think the whole thing of buying a striker, right? You're asking me which positions does United need? Yeah, it really depends on the striker situation because let's be honest, Anthony Martial will be a Manchester United player next season. Whether we like it, whether fans like it or not, right? I think his value at this moment is too low to to try and sell and just cut our losses with. Like it's just unrealistic for us to try and sell him. I don't think we'd get anything over thirty million, to be honest with you, unless well, he has I a standout. Have, uh, I have an interesting proposition, actually. Let's let's hear your proposition. So for Martial, um, I personally think that this poor finishing season isn't necessarily like a one-off in his career, like. Definitely I think not, he's had more than long enough to prove himself as like the main guy, whether that was at mm. left wing, whether that was at striker. And I don't think he has. And I think keeping him on will be just such a risk due to the fact that if he fails next season again, he will have almost no market value. He will that's, be that's a good point, like yeah. 26, two bad seasons. Um, Like you're not going to get a lot of money versus now I feel like a team like Juventus, for example, might look at him and be like, oh, this is a guy we can easily revive, bring him to a bit of a slower league, and he'll score goals for us. So I was doing some digging, and there's a French player who statistically is almost Martial, basically. Like, they're actually <laughs> very, very similar, except he's 21, barely turned 21, and will cost either less than Martial, so you'll, like, make a profit off of or yeah. at they'll cost thirty million each. So his name's Amin Guiri. Not sure how much you've Guiri, heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays in. He plays for Santa Chen, no? He plays for Nice. Nice, Nice, Nice. Okay. Yeah, he's a he's a Leon Academy product. So obviously has a has a good cosine, just like Martial. Um, one of the key attributes for Martial, like at least statistically, but 
what you see a lot of his fans talk about a lot is that he's great at getting the ball up and he's good at dribbling, which he yep. is definitely a good dribbler. So Martial completes 5.5 progressive carries per 90. Amin Guiri is at 6.2. Uh, Amin Guiri also has like very similar dribble numbers. I think he's like 0.2 behind Martial. Um, he operates at four shot creating actions and Martial's towards the lower regions of three. Um, and he's also like very involved in play as well. The, so that's another thing that Martial is good at. He can drop in a little bit and pass the ball around. But the one thing I think that makes a big difference between him and Martial is that he's actually a very active like defender, makes a lot of key yeah. interceptions, tackles, and good pr- pressures in good areas. Whereas I feel like Martial, like, there's been a few videos that have come out this season where he is literally standing in place. He, he he's lazy. There's no two ways about it. Martial's work ethic is one of his worst attributes. Not even an exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, although I'm not sure how realistic this is as a signing, yeah. but I think that if you're trading a 25 year old for a 21 year old and you're basically getting a the same player almost, because mm. I mean, Greer is also having a great goal scoring season. He's he has he scored 16 goals across all competitions for basically a mid-table team. He's not really like operating at below his XG either. He's like in and around the correct area he should be at. So honestly, I think that it's a very fair trade deal because worst comes to worst, you just sell Guiri when he's 25 for a similar amount of money. So for for I me, personally would do that if it was possible. For me, uh, I personally think that it's going to be the same three, Martial, Cavani, and Greenwood. And even if Cavani leaves, I, I don't know if United will go after a striker. I definitely know Solskjaer definitely wants one. Uh, his interest in Holland has been no secret, nor has his interest for Kane. You've heard rumors of Ings as well. But I personally think that the best thing for United is to promote Greenwood as much as you can into that, into that player because I think he has all the intangibles and all the, the physical tools as well to be a future Manchester United number nine. And what I mean by that is like, this guy is a gunman. Like we all know that he is one of the best finishers for his age. I personally have ever seen. I think his movement is honestly very underrated in and around the box. And I just think like every time I watch him, he's just getting better and better. And it's not just like goal scoring because I think he's had a poor goal scoring season, but his ball retention is incredible for his age. I think his maturity is really good. I think he's going to develop into into a United number nine, whether people agree with that or not, I think time will only tell. But I also think that the proposition of Rashford kind of going up front, you've seen that uh, in a few games this season. In fact, just last game, it almost became a two up top with Rashford and Cavani. So I think, again, if you add pieces like Jaden Sancho, you can kind of put uh, Rashford up front as that literal outlet, just put balls in behind him. You saw that against Liverpool. They played 4-2-3-1, Marcel on the left, Rashford up front. So for me, I think personally, if you prioritize striker where you have so many bodies that can score goals, not even forgetting about uh, Bruno Fernandes, who is literally, for me, like he's a second striker. I don't really consider him a, a midfielder for uh, of sorts. I think he is more of a second striker. I, I think you should be looking at other positions to strengthen. And I know you said two strikers. For me, the second position for me as a United, uh, if I were United owner, I don't know, director, I think it has to be defensive midfield. Yeah, that's that's definitely another area I identified. It just the way I'm thinking of it is 
You have Mata, Romero, Grant that are all out of contract this year. Same with Cavani. Okay. You yep. have De-, De Gea, who it's rumored that you guys are just going to let go of for free because of his love- super high wages. So I'm going on the basis of – and Matic is – Matic and Jones are also pretty likely to go if you find any suitors for them. So yeah. the way I kind of looked at it is this squad is going to get really thin. So the okay. reason I would get a striker or two is because of Cavani leaving. I like that is the assumption I'm operating. Yeah, it on. really it really depends on what what his future holds. You're right. Yeah, and so I would so obviously Jaden Sancho would be the right winger with Ahmad Diallo as like a backup to him. Okay. Um, Lingard will probably be leaving in the summer too. I don't. I think he'll probably just go to West Ham for like yeah. 25, 30 mil. Yep. And so the reason why I would want another striker too is so that Rashford doesn't have to go up top because at left wing, you guys have basically no backup. And like, I mean, it's Daniel James and we can both agree that that's not great backup. It really, de- it really depends, right? Because this is like, it really depends how much of this is going based on what we want and what Aldi is likely to do because for me, I think he sees Pogba as as left sided depth, in my opinion. Like I, I could potentially see him next year, going Sancho on the right, Bruno on the uh, in the middle. Uh, what's his name? Pogba on the left, and then Rashford up front. If Pogba is to stay, hmm. then he probably goes with McTominay and Fred because he loves those two so much. But even if he doesn't, and we go for our defensive midfielder, say, I don't know, they throw Jesse Lingard into a Declan Rice deal, and they bring Declan Rice to the club. He could go Declan Rice and Pogba, but I personally think he's going to play Pogba in that attacking position. I I think he is shoot, he is. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has heralded Scott McTominay as the next Manchester United midfielder, and I completely disagree with that premise. But I personally think just how much he likes him, I see him as as a key player for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, I, I, again, I'm not I'm not for it, right? I'm not a, a yeah. Scott McTominay fan in the slightest, but. I, I see I see how many games he plays. I see the role he plays in big games. I just think that Solskjaer likes him a lot. Yeah, but if if we are thinking that Martial will be sold, which, again, mm. is probably unlikely, would there be a different person that you'd get to Guiri, or are you, like, convinced by uh, I mean, I'm not convinced by Martial for sure, but it, it really depends, right? Because there's other names if Cavani is to leave. Uh, people have talked about Milik. People have people have even talked about Zeko, which I don't think with his city uh, his city pass would ever play for United, or vice versa. Um, I think Danny Ings is is low key a, a possibility, just because his form has kind of dipped ever since he made it clear that he wants to move on from Southampton eventually. And I think for his age and in his profile, he would make a good United striker. I think the only question with him, right, is. How much of a, a demand for a starting spot would he have? Because with Cavani, I think you have someone who's willing to 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 take a back seat at times, right? This season, I think he's kind of had to become the number nine because of Martial's poor form. But I think coming into the coming when he when he first arrived at the club, he probably understood that he's a backup to Martial. I think only Martial's form has shoehorned him as that number nine. Will Danny Ings be willing to to, to share responsibility with two other players? That's another question. But for me, if you're not going after a Haaland or a Kane, I would personally just stick with what you've got and and really look at the other positions. Because like I said, I think defensive midfield is a huge hole for United at the moment. And I know that that tandem of McTominay and Fred has their has their their fans, no doubt about it, right? <laughs> there are a lot of Fred fans out there. I'll be the first one to tell you that. <laughs> but um, 
I, I think they, they also have their doubters and I'm not the only one out there. I think those two together are being used as a tandem to make up for the fact that we don't have a real defensive midfielder and in McTominay and Fred, they kind of make, they're kind of like one half of defensive midfielder each and together we play them to, to form one defensive midfielder. And I think if you can get a, a true guy in that position, I'll say Declan Rice just because I'm a big fan of him, especially this season. Say you put him in there, you're basically t- you're getting rid of two players in my dream United team. Then I would play Rice with Pogba, and then you're allowed even more attacking options up front. And then also, if we're going on to our third thing, like what's the third position United needs? It, it really depends, again, who you ask, because some people will say center back. Some people uh, are still not convinced by Victor Lindelof. Uh, even though he has been a lot better recently. I, I'm one of his biggest critics, but I have to admit he has been pretty good recently. Uh, other people are bigger critics of Juan Bisaka at right back. And he was recently bought only like a year ago for $55 million, but I think huge question marks have have arisen based on his his play as of late. I think it's it's normal, right? As a, as a top team, you aspire to dominate games. You aspire to, to control possession, to control yeah. the flow of a game. And with Juan Bisaka, it's very difficult to do that, especially when you don't have a right hand uh, a right handed uh, winger midfielder. So would that change if Sancho was was brought into the team and Juan Bisaka's responsibility was lessened, perhaps? But also, what would happen if we got I don't know a Max Aaron's or even a Kieran Trippier on the on the cheap? Would our attacking play improve based off that? So I think that's that's a position that a lot of people have have argued. Do we need the center back more? Do we even risk breaking up that partnership between Lindelof and Maguire and, and go for a right back? Does the potential loss, uh, the in- potential incoming loss of Bai mean that you need a center back? That's another thing. Um, is Bai rumored to be leaving? Yeah, Bai is highly rumored to be leaving. Uh, he hmm. has apparently grown tired of his lack of chances under Solskjaer. He believes that he was under really good form at the time. When Lindelof was out, and instead of continuing to persist with him, Solskjaer just immediately went back to Lindelof. I think he definitely has yeah. a good point there. Bailly was in tremendous form at one point in the season. But it's also tough to rely on Bailly. He's been here for four or five years now, and he's almost never given you a 10-game period where he can stay fit. So it, it, it's tough to really argue on behalf of Eric Bailly in that, in that regard. So like I said to start this whole thing off, it really depends on who you ask. Some people will say, we need a striker more than anything. Some people will say, how can we get a striker if we don't have enough creative enough creative players around them to create chances for them? It really depends on who you ask. Yeah, I think... So, so when I was just looking at your squad, when contracts are running down and whatnot, mm. I think defense is probably the place you have the most depth in terms of yeah. like there is a backup and the backup isn't like entirely awful. So I yeah. think next season you have Wambasaka and Dalo as your right back options. Um, I think I would just stick with that. Like, yes, we even have we even even have Ethan Laird as well, who's pretty highly regarded by United yeah. uh, fans coming through. Yeah, and I think that Wambasaka and Dalo are like both not necessarily the way for the future, but they're both good options to have. Mm. Um, I think, like, if they are your only problem in the squad, then you have a pretty good squad. Uh, Shaw and Tellez obviously have been great this that's, season. Yeah, but, that's good depth right there. Uh, Lindelof and Bai, if Bai isn't leaving, like that's a great like defensive backup option. So I think Maguire should be definitely a starter. He's the club captain, but I would, if you were to ask me, I would prioritize a center back rather than a right back, left back. Mm. Um. And I think you probably want to get someone that ideally can play on the left side. 
because or at least is able to fill in both because i feel like Maguire might be better on the right side like i'm not entirely convinced by his left foot obviously he's had a great season though with uh, playing on the left side so i think you should probably get a center back again because we're talking about like an ideal scenario not most realistic scenario yeah um is there anyone in mind that you think would do good at manchester united next season in terms of center back or in terms of general in terms of center back uh the name i mean you can give us a little bit of insight as a real madrid fan the name that's kind of arisen recently is varan uh heavily rumored to be leaving the club uh, I think that the latest report was saying he was rejecting the the nearest the, uh, the sorry the the most recent contract, uh, and he's linked with the likes of Chelsea, PSG, United has always been uh, an admirer of Rafa Varane, but I think that's really a signing that you make if you if center back is a huge priority for you, right? Like if you want a a, a linchpin in that defense, or maybe not a linchpin, but a guy to partner Varane, uh, partner Maguire for the next five six years, you go for that. If you're looking for someone to kind of compete with Lindelof more than Bailly has, then maybe you go for a Milinkovic from Fiorentina. Maybe you go for Konate, who has been more linked with uh, Liverpool recently than United, but Pal Torres has been linked with United. I think those are kind of the, the players you go for if you're not 100% sold on center back being your biggest priority. But for me, if you're going all out, you go all out. And Varane, four-time Champions League winner, uh, World Cup winner of France, bags of experience, good age. I think... In terms of a fit next to Maguire, he is the perfect profile in terms of speedy, athletic, uh, mature, reads the game well. And he is more of like that. He, he's less aggressive, right? Or when I say aggressive, right? Like a, a Ramos is the real aggressor in, in that yeah. back line. Varane is more of like the the, the collector, like Rio Ferdinand to, to someone's Vidic. So I think in terms of profile, he's that guy. There have been some question marks over Varane. I think you could probably speak on them more uh, accurately than I can, but I think I think people are definitely a lot less assured on him than they were before last season. Yeah, so I think that with Varane, it's a bit more paper talk than actuality. Because mm. similarly, it all ends with Real Madrid, right? I, I mean, I remember the Ramos incident a few years ago when he was so seemingly close to United and end up just being a ploy to get a new contract. Yeah, and I think I think. It, they're both in a situation where Ramos is out this summer, yeah. uh, Varane is out next summer. But if you're looking at it just from a logical perspective, um, Real Madrid is in a in a rebuild more so, and especially in terms of stadium. So we're creating a new stadium, which is going to be like probably the nicest stadium in the world. It's going to mm-hmm. be amazing. And Ramos as the club captain leading us to there and possibly leading us to Champions League glory this year, welcoming in talents like Mbappe, like Kamavinga, like welcoming and leading the new crop. I don't think for Ramos there's anything more attractive, but what that, let's say Ramos does stay, right? What I think that means for Varane also is you have your set partner. You have an assured elite, at least defensive unit for the next few years of your career and you get to finish your career as one of the greatest center backs in Real Madrid history and most likely our captain because out of all of the players that we've had it's really him and Carvajal that are probably going to last longer than the other ones that were part of the three-peat team Mm -hmm. and he's worn the armband a few times and that 
the the question of him really came from August of 2020 to yeah. like November 2020. Yeah, it was the post lockdown form, right? 100. percent Yeah, and. Sorry for the interruption, but just to get back to the point for Rafael Varane, uh, I just don't think it's a realistic target, and I think he will just cost too much to justify it. Like, he is worth his price tag, probably, but not when, as you said, Leas, uh, he isn't your main priority. Like, it's not like you guys buy a center back, you win the league. Mm. So I just don't think he's worth the 80 to 90 million euros you'd have to pay for him. And with a player of his age, his experience, his skill set, there is literally no one on the market that's that can match him on all of a center back who has a lot of experience, but no one he is a market gem. Like he is just one of a kind. So I just don't think that he's worth to get, to be honest. Yeah, I think there's there's teams that definitely need a center back like badly, right? Like there's some there's some teams that a center back for me just transforms their team. And in fact, PSG, right? People might say, oh, they have Marquinhos and Kimpembe. But if you buy Varane and you move Marquinhos to defensive midfield next to Verratti, then I, I think right there, wow, that's that's a massive upgrade. Or say Chelsea, who I think right now are kind of having to play a back three to kind of make up for the fact that Christensen, Rudiger, and Aspilicueta just aren't at the level required, right? And Silva is also injury prone. What if you bring Varane? And you pair him next to a Thiago Silva for the next few years. That's incredible. But I think, yeah. like you said, United, they have a right wing priority, potentially a striker priority, defensive midfield, 100%. So, yeah, I think the need for one kind of does lessen, uh, like you did say. Yeah, I, th- I think if you are going to... So, I just looked into, like, center backs that you guys could p- potentially get. It's not necessarily a priority for me, mm. but very interesting name that stands out that hasn't really been mentioned a lot is Edmund uh, Tapsoba, who plays for Leverkusen. Yep. So the reason why I like him in comparison to Pau Torres or other guys that we mentioned earlier is his price tag is probably similar. He is the youngest of all of them besides Konate. Konate is a year younger, but he's only just recently turned 22 years old. And although he does have a long-term contract, I think he's gettable for like 35 mil. And what's outstanding about him is his passing. So he completes the most, or he attempts the most passes of any defender on the, I mean, in the top five leagues. And he has a 92% pass completion as well. So he is a very, very solid passer. And I think that's something that's also true of Maguire. So if you have two really good ball-playing center backs, and Tapsoba also is a great defender. He's very athletic and very quick, as well as being tall. So I think that also kind of goes along with the point of you need someone more athletic than Maguire next to him. I think yep. he definitely fills that role. He's very strong. Um, he, he he is just a good defender. He's a really good passer. His progressive passing is similar to Maguire too. So I think he does everything that Maguire does on the ball and kind of covers for everything that Maguire doesn't do on the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's probably just because of the name hype, even he might just be cheaper than all the rest of them. Like, Kanate had the 40 million release clause, correct? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's him, I think. Yep, yeah, yeah. So, and Tapsoba's market value is like 30 million. 
Uh, Leverkusen are unlikely to finish in the Champions League. So I think, honestly, I, I, I see him as a better option because especially with Pau Torres, like, I don't see the hype. I'm, a, hey, I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm not writing for Pau Torres either, to be honest with you. Yeah, like I see, I see the potential, but I don't see the here and now and why you would get him. Especially next to McGuire, I don't think it's a good partnership. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, you become way too slow. And Pau Torres is a bit weak too. And I don't think McGuire, McGuire is a strong guy, but he's very slow. So a little hard for him to body people off the ball, especially on a counter or something. So I think Tapsoba would be my option, especially because of what you said about Aaron Wambisaka earlier that. You want to be a team that controls the ball, and Tapsoba is the best guy in Europe for <laughs> attempting passes and mm-hmm. one of the best at completing them too. So I think he'd be an interesting option, but as you would said earlier, and I think as most United fans would agree, defensive midfield is more of a priority. Right, hundred For me, like I think anyone who knows me knows my my fierce dislike for Fred and for McTominay. <laughs> for me, defensive midfield is up there, right? For me, only after right wing is it a priority, and that's that's a uh, a profile that a lot of people have gone back and forth with. Is Declan Rice the guy? Would they rather scout and try and be a little more pragmatic in the market and find better value for for money and for player? Uh, people have talked about Kamara, for example, from Marseille. But for me, I think you know what you're going to get from an Ollie signing. It's going to be a player who plays for the badge, as, as cliche as that may sound, but a, a player that understands the the values of playing for United. Uh, usually that ends up being a British player, as cliche as that is. Like, it, it is, there is some truth in, in British players knowing, like, having more of an understanding of what it means for the club to play for the club like Manchester United than perhaps a foreigner does. And although that that may yeah. not be the the best way of saying it, like there there is some truth in that, right? A Declan Rice is going to have more of a connection with Manchester United than I don't know. You get some kid from Spain. I, I think there is some truth in that. So I I definitely see Declan Rice as being a priority for United. But we I, like I told you already, I think McTominay is really someone that that Solskjaer likes in that in that area of the pitch. Hopefully hopefully he has some better coaches around him that can <laughs> direct him in different directions because I think if we play next season with McTominay and Fred. We're going to have the same ceiling that we do this season, and that's go far in some competitions, be stopped at the final hurdle, and fall short in the title race again. Yeah, and I think Rice is probably like just the most clear-cut option, kind of like Jaden Sancho. It's like if you can get him, get him. Uh, do you have any other names that you'd be interested in? It's it's really tough. I like I like his profile a lot because I think the modern-day defensive midfielder they have to be good in the first phase. And I mean like excellent in the first phase, getting the ball from your center backs, playing well under pressure, spraying the ball around comfortably, controlling the tempo, calming everyone around you down, right? Everything I'm describing, Fred does not excel at, by the way, but you need someone in that that position who for me excels at all of that. And for me, Tiago Alcantara would have been a terrific signing there, right? If they, if I've been saying this a lot recently, United should have signed Tiago and Liverpool should have signed Van de Beek, in my opinion. I think both those positions were necessities for the other, and I think they completely messed up by doing what they did. Thiago yeah, would have been a good signing. Partey would have been a good signing. Fabinho would have been a good signing. And instead, we've landed with Matic, McTominay, and Fred. So we really need to right our wrongs in that area. I, I really don't know, though. Outside of Rice, I'm gonna I'm not going to lie. Like I, I My knowledge on the players available in that position isn't the greatest. People have been talking about Locatelli, and he kind of fits that profile. 
is United savvy enough to go for a player from, I don't know, a relatively unknown club in Sassuolo? Uh, Benacer, I think he's more of the Fred profile, obviously much better than Fred, but like also that short, chaotic uh, pit bull of a, of a defense midfielder. People have talked about Ndidi. I don't think his passing is good enough for a club that United is aspiring to be. I think he's very suspect under a press. And for me, I would stay away from him. So if anyone has like really good suggestions, leave them in the in the comments underneath uh, this podcast, I guess. But for me, I think Rice is, is the surefire bet unless you want to be a bit savvy and explore other markets. Uh, I'll give you two options Let's that you can just have a little think about. So mm-hmm. the first one is going off the assumption that Pogba will play left, left wing. Yeah, before you keep going, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Pogba leaving or staying dictates this entire transfer window for me. I think whether yeah, he, if he stays, that's a big yeah, your priorities in different positions change. If he goes, forget defensive midfield, forget defender. You need to find a creative outlet like Pogba. That, that's the biggest thing out of all of this. But again, let's just pretend he's staying and go ahead. So if he is going to be on the left wing mm. for his creativity to have a bit of space, I think an interesting name will be Angisa. So honestly, like I don't think a lot of people pay attention to him, but he is the best dribbler among all all midfielders in Europe. Uh, he is like, like statistically, obviously, people can argue who they prefer, but he completes three dribbles a game, and he's probably just as press resistant as Pogba is. And he's an active defender. He's a good passer. Like every time I've watched him for Fulham, he's been like very impressive. Like you just don't think of him as a relegation level player. And I'm not sure, like. If if Pogba will be playing left wing, but I think if he does, Angisa would be a good guy that can win the ball and get it to Pogba and do it better than McTominay does. Mm. But the more interesting shout, which honestly every team in Europe should probably sign this guy. Like I, I don't think there's a single team that couldn't use this guy. Uh, Aurelien Chouameni, I think that's how you say his name. The guy from Monaco. Yeah, he is from Monaco. Yeah. I mean, this guy, like, I don't have to talk about his stats, but I think I will just because of how impressive <laughs> they are. But honestly, whenever I've watched him for Monaco, I feel like someone just copied Casemiro and put him at Monaco. Like, he completes six tackles and interceptions per game, which is just outstanding for a 21-year-old. He is young, so he doesn't have, like, all the attributes that you could ask for, but he's so energetic. He's such a great defender. And he's a really big part of why Monaco, with such a young squad, are able to challenge the likes of PSG. They're only one point behind this season when no one was really expecting anything of them. They finished mid-table last year, almost got relegated two seasons before. So, like, no one was expecting anything, but I think Shuamini will be, like, a star in the future. I think his ceiling is very, very high. And right now, the focus of French midfielders is all around Camavinga. So mm. I think it would be a great time for a club like United, although we did, you did mention that they're not very savvy to get a player like Locatelli, who I think would work very well. Yeah, uh, I think it would be a great time for them to just swoop in and take this guy because he's not going to cost you like an arm and a leg. He'll probably be 25 to 30 mil. Um and I think for a 21-year-old with his type of 
influence and output this season. He's also got five goal contributions from a really deep position. So, I mean, great, great for him to be able to get forward. Not something that Fred does. <laughs> uh, although he did score. He did score. <laughs> First time since 2017. <laughs> I, I knew you would have the number for that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I think it would be a very savvy signing, which I'm not sure if it's realistic, but yeah, anything that will break the norm at United, because I just think if you're going for targets like Rice and Jaden Sancho, you're spending a lot of money on True. two players who don't necessarily make you a title winning squad and not because they're not good enough. I just think you guys will have outgoings because yeah, of the contract situation and things like I that. I agree. I mean, I think we definitely missed the trick. Like, forget about just Thiago, Parte, Fabinho. I think even players like Bellingham, right? Bellingham has proven to be one of the best players in, in Germany in his position at only 17 years old. And for me, I'm, that's a... I know yeah. we were in for him. I know we we, we even brought Sir Alex to the ground to, to, to show him around. I think he's a player at 20 years old. He's going to be back in England. And he's going to be playing for a top club. I'm very confident in, in making that prediction. And uh, they were linked to the the Ecuadorian, uh, the guy who ended up going to Brighton. What's his name? Caicedo, I think. Caicedo, yep. They were linked to him for a while. I think they turned down the option to buy him, maybe in fear that he wasn't ready enough. And it kind of just shows you where the club is at with that kind of stuff, right? I think they are more willing to spend big money on English youngsters. But I think for these other players, they have no problem with letting them go to other clubs and then paying three times more for them in a few years. And I think the biggest one you'll see in that situation is Fofana. I think United knew about Wesley Fofana, but I think they're more than willing to just let him go to Leicester, develop even more, have less pressure on him, and then buy him for three times the price. For me, that seems like something they are more than willing to do. Yeah, but it is also a bit of an interesting one because with Fofana, like if he came in this season, would he be any worse than Lindelof? Like, no, like I think is class for me. For, like, if you ask me who's my dream partner with United uh, for Maguire, it's Fofana. And I mean, how realistic is that being that they're both former Leicester players? Like, can they can they manage to steal Leicester's best center back two years in, in a what is it, three years in a row? Perhaps not, but for, for me, Fofana is excellent. And I think France, like, just kind of sums up the multitude of talent they have in that position, right? Yeah, they have. I was looking through their like U23 center back options. It's crazy. There's like, there's like 20 players that are good. And every yeah. week a new one pops up. Like, I didn't yeah. know about this guy, but Maxence Lacroix is, I think, his name. He plays for Wolfsburg. They have the best defense in the Bundesliga. And this guy has crazy. started every game at center back at 20 crazy. years old. Like, where did where does he come out of, man? It's what, it's what you call a golden generation. Like, you said it best, man. That under 23 team is incredibly talented. And France, France just have a gold mine for talent at the moment. Yeah, and and also like, uh, what was it? Upamecano is going to Bayern, and that they're replacing him with another French center back called. Sinai. Are they? Like they they always just they just have another French young center back ready to come through. You all know, you have Badia Shil, you have uh, I mean Konate, Kunde, like you just have so many options. It's yeah, just like, crazy. <laughs> and, and Saliba, who's high yep. that down a little bit, is he's he's hitting good form so. Maybe he Crazy. comes back to Arsenal and has a good effect like Fafana's had. And then you have the former Saint-Étienne partners being the two hype. So it's it's just crazy how much depth they have. But yeah, I think I think when we're talking about United, what's a reasonable just to close everything off, what's a reasonable expectation 
for next season, given the players we've talked about and given the fact that Ollie will be staying on? So, so let's say, what are the two signings? Because re- let's talk realistically, right? They're not going to make more than two big signings, in my opinion. I think two is, is even pushing it, but I believe the two signings next year will be Sancho and a, and a center back. If that's our window with the current squad, let's say, let's say we sign Sancho, we sign a center back that's not Varane, right? So not a transcendent center back, and they retain Cavani. So their front, their attack is still the same, plus Sancho. And their defense is relatively the same, no buy with a, with another center back. I think strictly on United because I think when you ask what's their ceiling, where will they finish in the league, that also depends on other teams. But if you ask me on United, I think it'll improve them for sure, right? Because you can think of every situation Dan James has been at, at United. Every time he's lost the ball three on one, every time he's had an open goal, you replace him with Jaden Sancho in that exact situation. Nine times out of ten, it's a goal or it's it's a chance creation, like a high chance creation. So in that regards, yeah, they're going to score more goals if they have Sancho. They're going to concede less goals if they have a less suspect center back. However, I still think there are pretty big structural issues with United with the way we play that I hope will be solved by preseason, which we haven't had the chance to have last season. I do really hope more time with the squad for Ollie and for the, the coaching staff will improve that in some regard. I'm not entirely hopeful, but I do ha- I do hold out some hope. As for where can we finish in the league, it really depends, right? Because you have this great Manchester City team who are on course to, fin- to win an unprecedented quadruple, including the Champions League. Uh, you have a Chelsea team who is rapidly improving every single game. Uh, Thomas Tuchel, for me, is doing an excellent job, no matter what anyone wants to say about him. I think, he- I think he's massively improved that team and Talk about signings. I think Chelsea, if they back him and give him the players he needs, they're going to be dangerous. Liverpool, you've seen them this season. Um, I still I still believe that they're a top three team in the league if they get Van Dyke back and maybe add another forward to, to kind of refresh that front line. And then United. I think at worst, United is the fourth best team in the league next year. I think at, at the very worst. I don't see Tottenham in that equation. I don't see Arsenal in that equation yet. And then from there, it really depends. United has been together for a longer time, so I think I give that I give them that uh, in comparison to Chelsea, where they'll still need to be building chemistry between the others. Liverpool seem to have kind of hit a wall in terms of how good they were. I think it's only going to go down from now without further investment. And then there's City, who I think United could add four, four or five new players as long as Ollie is in charge. Ollie is not beating a Pep Guardiola team in the title race. It's just not happening. So for me, look to improve. You can only really focus on yourself. Try and do better in Europe than you did this year because I still hold out hope that this team is more equipped for a knockout round tournament than it is for a 38-game season. And hope for more injuries, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- I think if the Europa League is not won this season, uh, Ali cannot go trophyless next season. Like It, it just cannot yeah. happen. I, I think regardless, to be honest with you, bro, I think Ali is under pressure next season to compete. I think even if he wins the Europa League, the, the board eventually are going like if they invest money, they're gonna be they're gonna be expecting better results. Yeah, for sure. But like if the Europa League is not won this year and you don't want to mm. care about Cup even next season, then I don't even think that the league or your cup run, let's say you get to Champions League semifinal through an easy run or something, I don't necessarily think that'll be seen as progress, especially by the fans, because a club like Manchester United needs to be winning trophies. Like they, you just have to be. It's yeah. not. It's not necessarily an option. So like, 
I think that for the rest of the season, you have to try to win the Europa League, just like Arsenal does. I think if that's the final, it's literally going to be a war. And I think next season, you need to be bringing something home. And I would want an FA Cup, ideally. And then the Champions League, I think you make a pretty good point. You guys are well-suited. So if you sign someone like Jadon Sancho and you sign a center back like Tapsoba, for example, who is just great on the ball and is athletic, like someone that fits the profile you need, I wouldn't be against thinking that luck on our side, you need to be getting to a semifinal or final and top four is also a must in in the league. Like you cannot drop out of that top four. Definitely so I think, not. I mean, to, to bring to a conclusion, I definitely enjoyed doing this and it's going to be very interesting to see what is done in the summer because there's a lot and a lot of different scenarios that might happen because if they decide to invest, you could end up with Varane, Rice, and Sancho, which would just be insane. Or if they're like, nah, whatever, we'll sign a few young players, you could just lose all the progress you made this year. Yep, uh, 100%. I think everyone is really saying this is the most important transfer window in, in quite a few years for United. And it really hinges what we do next season and also in the future. Yeah, 100%, man. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And yep. I do support Arsenal like as a kind of a second team because my dad is an Arsenal fan. So mm. I hope you don't win the Europa League, but good luck to Manchester United. Yeah, good luck to you guys too. <laughs> and right. good luck to Real in the Champions League as well. Hey, man, we have to save football from oil money. It's yeah, 3v1. Hey, I like PSG. So for me, I won't be too disappointed if they win. But for me, it's anyone but the English teams. Yeah, I, it's going to be hard to beat Mbappe to a final. But, you know, I... No remorse if we do that. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too, bro.